This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell for the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Christos Chalkas, welcome to Better Reading. Ah, pleasure, Cheryl. It's really you know, a pleasure I'm, to be here with you. I think it's called fangirl or something now, um, but I call it a crush. <laughs> <laughs> no one uses the word crush anymore. No, Do you notice that? I noticed we were actually talking before, no one uses the word yuppie anymore. No. And actually I think it's a good word to uh, revisit it's so and revive. descriptive, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because I think that, you know, that. Mm. You know what my favourite word is? Bogan. <laughs> Yeah, but I, it's, I, it depends who uses it. It's a bit like the word wog, right? Oh, I kind of, I think, yeah. yeah. Really? Do you think it's like the word wog? Well, just that sometimes <gasps> I think. Wog causes a defensive yeah, kind of, whereas bogan I think is a bit, it, it does have a tender side. It, yeah, but sometimes I worry the people who are using it when they use it really dismissively that, and okay. then, I, then I get a bit. Okay, uh, all right. Um, I was at the hairdressers this morning and this girl was sitting next to me and she was telling the hairdresser, she said, now, People just have to realise that I'm just racist and they have to accept it. And, just like, and then she said, well, it's just the way it is. You can be this and you can be that and you can be racist. And I couldn't help myself, Christos. I just leant over and said, well, actually that's not true because that's about hatred. Good on you, mate. And what did she say? Nothing. She just went red and didn't say a word. But do we accept it? You can't just sit there and not have said anything. No, and I, I mean... My, my feeling increasingly is, however, that I mean, I think that's a really that's exactly the right thing to do is to go. Actually, I disagree, yeah. and I disagree because it is about hatred. But what you hope is you can also begin a conversation yeah. about it because uh, it, it's got to a point where if we don't start having conversations, we're just going to become more fragmented from well, yeah. from each other, and yeah. and you know sometimes. It can't work. Sometimes people are so entrenched in their position and their hatreds and their bigotry that mm. there's no shifting. Mm. But I think that's the optimistic side of me. I do think that, you know, most people are open to at least, if you're doing it in good faith, being mm. able to have that discussion. It's easier face-to-face -to -face too, you know, yeah, you're there. Yeah. Whereas, you know, in... On social media, it, it just oh, it becomes no, awful, impossible. Awful, and it was conversational because she was conversate, you know, saying it. But you know, I've been thinking about your book a lot. I've been thinking about what you said. I went to the event the other day at Glee Books, and I heard you talking with what's his name, David, David Ma, about shame. And I've been thinking about shame a lot um, because I experienced a lot of that when I was younger as well. Just the shame of not being white Australian. Yeah. 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 Um, but shame. I decided comes from a place of hatred, isn't it? Because it's when hatred is projected on you that you feel shame. Well, yes, and uh, I mean shame's a really complicated one mm, for me, Cheryl, it too, is. because it's also it is 
It comes from not the way I understand it or try and understand it in my life and how it works is shame has that element of knowing you've done something that's going to exclude you from the group. Mm. So that Oh that's hatred. That's yeah, and that's and it's fear too. Yeah. You know, that because um, I think sometimes those ugly things are that can, you know, the, the end result is hatred. It begins in fear. Mm. You know, it's the fear of the stranger. It's the fear of the mm. other. It's the mm. – um, so, yeah, I think shame is a really difficult one because it is going, oh, my God, I'm not, I'm not accepted. I'm not acceptable mm. part of, of, of this. Mm. And then – but then there's – this is where it gets complicated for me. There's that element of shame which is uh, – and. It, We've all had it in the moments when you've done something wrong or you haven't been, haven't lived up to your ideas. Well, you didn't ideas. say anything you at, didn't the, say anything at the, the right time. Yeah. Or you weren't a good friend or you weren't a good partner or you weren't a good mm. uh, sister, brother, you, you mm. know. And that's that's a little bit different. I think mm. that, that that element of shame is, um, can be important to kind mm. of, and actually humbling. Uh, 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 one of the most beautiful friends I have, she, she's a little bit older than we are mm. and we were talk- this was years ago we were talking about shame and she said, you know, you don't really become adult and you don't really become understanding of others until you've experienced that kind of shame. Mm. You know, so the, that first shame can, can often result in kind of, Anger and, mm. and 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 rage, whereas I think the second element of shame can sometimes be really productive because it's well, taking, that's also maturity. Isn't it's it? mature, yeah, yeah. But it's trying to work out the difference between those two. Yeah, I think. It's, All right, I want to introduce you to maybe the one or two Australians that don't know you. Um, I don't know who they are, but anyway, Christos is an award-winning and highly acclaimed author playwright, screenwriter and essayist. His novels include Loaded, The Jesus Man, Dead Europe, The Slap, Barracuda and most recently Damascus. Many of these books have received awards. The Slap was awarded the overall best book in the Commonwealth Writers' Prize in 2009, was shortlisted for the 2009 Miles Franklin Award and should have won, I might add, longlisted <laughs> for the 2010 Main Booker Prize and won the Australian Literary Society Gold as well as the 2009 ABA and RBA Book of the Year. His book Loaded and Dead Europe have both been turned into films, while The Slap and Barracuda have both become celebrated television series. Christos has also written an acclaimed collection of short stories titled Merciless Gods, which was published in 2014, along with a critical literary study on Patrick White, which came out in 2018, which you and I recorded a podcast about. Indeed we did. We did. His latest novel, Damascus, is based around the Gospels and letters of St Paul and focuses on the people living one one to two generations after the crucifixion of Christ. It is described as a novel of immense power and unflinching dissection of doubt and faith, tyranny and revolution, and cruelty and sacrifice. I mean, it is just, there is so much in it. Um, I was reading the reviews earlier as well. I mean, congratulations. I mean, Thank you. Yeah. I don't think, well, I didn't read a negative review. Oh, I'll touch wood. They're going to come. I mean, <laughs> will they come? I'm sure think, they will. I don't think so. It is such a departure from being, from contemporary fiction to moving to, to historical fiction, but also historical fiction that I think is quite complex and often not touched on. 
But what has heartened me, and I'm sure has heartened you, is it's been received in the same passion as, as your other work. I've been really, uh, of course, really gladdened by that. Yeah. Um, and, it, and, 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 you know, it was, it was, I mean, every time you put a, a book out, there's that terror. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, I've just written a book about faith, which means I've written a book about doubt. <laughs> and mm. that self doubt is. You know, it feels like integral to being a writer or an artist. You know, you, 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 you're never sure about how your work is going to be received and you're never sure if you've been good enough. And because it, Damascus is, you know, it's a, a project of five years, I'm putting a lot of myself in it, but also it's, it's complicated in certain ways in terms of the ideas and and themes. And it's so, timely. Yeah, look, I think it's... In, and you would not have known that. No, I don't. I mean... I mean, in a sense, I think the, the fundamental questions of how do you be lead an ethical life should always be off time. <laughs> they should never I'm go I'm going to come back to that because I've got a lot of, um, I, there's a lot I want to say about how to lead an ethical life. But before we do that, I, I just, it struck me um, uh, when reading, when I received my media pack about this book, this paragraph really struck me. So I'm just going to read it if you don't mind. They're your words. But um, it moved me to my core and it actually hasn't left me since I read it. And I think when I ran into you the other day, I brought it up there as well and it really hasn't left me. So I'm going to share it with our listeners. Not long after the death of my father, and these are Christos's words, I was sitting in my mother's kitchen and we began a discussion, sometimes brutal but intoxicating and necessary. We were talking of the despair and misery she experienced when I revealed to her that I was a homosexual she talked to me of how her fears had led her close to taking her own life. A migrant woman, she lived in a community where frank discussions of sex and sexuality were considered shameful. She could not talk freely to her friends and family. Tentatively, fearfully, I asked her, how did you survive it? And her answer surprised me. She told me how it was reading Paul's letters in her Greek copy of the Bible that gave her both strength and understanding. She said, I realised through Paul's works that God loves you. Wow, that's powerful. And so it was a really, I mean, you know, it was a really important moment for both of us, I think, that, mm. you know, because, it, you know, even though I have, you know, you know, the, my parents have been amazing. It was a long period when I was younger, the struggle for them to accept my sexuality, but the, they've never abandoned love for me, and 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 I've never abandoned love for them. So no. and and she, you know she she adores my partner. She you know I I know she loves me, but we hadn't. But sometimes the, the subject is still hard to to bring you know to talk about. Mm. You know it's different worlds. It's different different languages too because we have to do it in Greek, and mm. sometimes the. My, you know, the conceptualising of things for both of us is hard in the, in, in the language because, you know, my language here in Australia is English. But she, I hadn't really asked that question and I was working on Damascus, you know, how did, um, I'd been thinking about, you know, I'd been thinking about Paul, I'd been thinking about Christianity, I'd been thinking about the world, all those things. And I said, how did you cope? Because it was really hard. It must have been really hard and it surprised me that she found 
that solace in 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 Paul's letters. And it, you know, when I think about it, Cheryl, it, why it became so important to the writing of this book is that Paul is now in the twenty first century world, read through. He's accused of his you know misogyny and homophobia, anti semitism, mm. which I think a lot of a, hatred. There. A lot of yeah, yeah. and. Every one of those things I wanted to take, I wanted to take seriously mm. in writing this book, but I think Mum was able to do something that I think a lot of people now are finding it hard to do, which is read someone outside the prism of the twenty first century mm. and actually go to the core of meaning. Mm. And I, mm. you know, that's um, that's a do lesson for all of us. It is a lesson for all of us. And when I heard you speaking the other night with David Maher. I was surprised that you took solace in that because I grew up a, Rome, uh, a Maronite Catholic. I've almost forgotten Lebanese. <laughs> <Australia. laughs> I know my you're a Maronite. <laughs> my mother's not going to like that. Um, and, you know, a church-going family. Um, but I opted out at 16. She said to us at 16, you can stay or you can go. My yep. mum did. And, you know, it just didn't resonate with me and I left. I felt that they didn't hear me, they didn't represent me, I couldn't relate to it. And so I never went back. The only time I go back is... I appreciate the architecture when I'm travelling. I like to see the basilicas. I like to... There is a moment that I can sit there and light a candle and feel not not God and not the religion but I can feel um, that it's meditative, I, I guess. Look, I, I think, Cheryl, that I had a similar experience, I think, with uh, Christianity. I mean, mine was the, the Greek Orthodox yeah. um, faith that I grew up with but I had a period... Um, from 13 to around 15 where I got involved in the Evangelical Protestant Church. Did you? Yeah. And that was... Danger, danger. Danger, yeah. Yeah. Absolute danger. But it did... It came because we shifted from the inner city to the the outer burbs and I just was wanting to make that bargain with God. God, Mm. please, please cure me of my sexuality Mm. and I will be good. I will be good. But similar to you at 15, I, I went... I can't believe this. Mm. But I think that it's, it's quite complicated. I think I replaced that faith, the faith in socialism and communism, mm. and that that faith too uh, crashed against the waves of history, right? Mm. When with the collapse of communism, I was in Eastern Europe talking to people who had, who had suffered under a regime that said that it represented the best of human values. And it was quite cruel. And it was terribly cruel mm. and it was terribly anti-human and yeah, what it, was. it did. it was. And so that, you know, dead Europe came out of that encounter. But I, I think with that realisation that if these ideals could be so corrupted, maybe I was being too brutal in doing a complete rejection of religion as well. Like I'm not, re- I'm actually not. I believe I'm not a uh, Christian, though I'm influenced by Christian values. Would you call, because often people ask me, um, and I can never really work out the difference, am I an atheist or am I a... Agnostic. Agnostic. I think I'm closer to agnostic in that I still, I think that there is an awe that has happened very, you know, the most recent was walking on the beach mm. where... Suddenly, time—you know—suddenly, it feels like you're. I, I guess it's an element, not that I'm an expert, that in the Buddhist rites, 
the, that, that notion of the disappearance of the ego where mm. I just felt like I was outside time and every element around me, the sun rays, the sea, the, the sand, um, the, the rustling in the wind, that it was, it was all unified, mm. you know, and that's... That's powerful. It's really powerful. Mm. Um, and so I, I'm, I think that there are... I think there is something in that that makes me wonder, well, keeps wondering about is there is there more to the, than simply the material? Mm. I have no answer. So the term I really like, and it's an old-fashioned one, is free thinker, because the free yeah. thinkers were the the ones who said we oh, don't like know, that. we don't know, we, we will we will just try and keep questioning and doubting, but also being open. To, to possibilities. You know, religion is constantly something that is presented. You know, my family are religious except for myself but um, and my mother is highly, you know, she still goes to Mass every day where she can. However, I'm confronted all the time about how much do people really think of this and I was with some people the other day and I said, I think I'm an atheist and one of the women said, oh, my God, what's going to happen at your funeral? And I was like, What? And she said, at your funeral, touch wood. <laughs> yeah, at your funeral, wh- where do you go? Like when you die, where you go? And I thought, isn't that interesting? So I said, look, I think funerals are for the living, so whatever, whoever. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't care less. But it's interesting because it made me think of religion as a promise. Do you think that, like, maybe we need a hook? I think we need uh, we need. An awareness of where we, who we are, and where we come from. Uh, there's two things immediately come to mind, and they happened before the writing of the book, but maybe subliminally that they, they were mm. there. So, the first one is actually travelling, like travelling to Jordan, travelling to Lebanon, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, travelling in that part of the world where. And I was with my partner Wayne, whose mm. his parents are Dutch immigrants. His mum was Catholic, his dad Protestant. So, he, he, But because of that, like mm. he, he didn't really grow up religious at all. And uh, and the first few days in Amman in particular, you know, you get into conversations and people would go, oh, and what religion are you? Mm. And I would say Misha, you know, mm. um, Christian, uh, uh, Yunnan, mm. Greek, Orthodox. And... And when we kept going, oh, I don't have religion, and people were going, no, 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 but what religion are you mm. really? And I think he he had this moment where he turned to me and said, oh, they're not asking me what, about whether I have a faith or not in God. They're asking where do I fit in? What mm. you know? What, it's like what country? You're what from. country exactly? And that's I think that's I'm I'm saying that to say that. That's partly what these questions are about is how do you fit in? Yeah. You know, what have you learnt from the world? What have you been raised with? Yeah. Because all of that is an influence, yeah. right? Yeah, of course it is. The second one was I was very fortunate some time ago to be at a writers' festival in Darwin and it was a group of us. Um, it was one of the most fascinating and hardest panels I've ever been on because it was four writers from migrant backgrounds and four Indigenous First Nations writers try- trying to have an honest discussion about what links us but also what separates us about racism and what is, you know, because often the term, the, 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 the horrific violence of colonialism in Australia is, is about, the conversation is about Anglo-Celtic mm. um, uh, people and 
First Nations people, and this was trying to do something different. There was a, a wonderful poet who, because a part of, I, I said something, and it wasn't, you know, I, I, I just said, you know, I feel sometimes so confused about the racism in this country that I, that I think there's no place I belong. Like mm. I, 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 to it that I just, you know. I feel that so often. That I just want to be buried at sea because I don't belong to this land. And this is an elderly. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Aboriginal man just came up to me afterwards so concerned and you know crystal don't I don't mm. want you to feel mm. that I don't I want you to feel mm. to tell me to think about what you love here and 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 uh, what he was expressing I think was to say you you know that there is actually something of the sacred that he wanted to share with me in the mm. in on this land, and that's an astonishingly generous thing for to to offer. Yeah. I mean, I think I maybe I have a little bit of a growing awareness that I owe a gift to certain rituals and behaviours that I learned as a young kid from orthodoxy. That doesn't mean that I. Oh, the other thing, Cheryl, just the, a third thing, and this only happened very, very recently. It was so you, you know, I'm on this tour of Damascus. I've worked on this novel. I want to talk about and it. And I want to talk about it in a minute. Uh, just to, but onto this conversation. Just the other night, in the audience, this, I was, I was talking about my grappling with: Have I even got the right to to pray? Because I'm not a believer, right? Have oh, you got the right to write the book? Have I got the right to write the book? Have I yeah. all all that doubt? All of it. And you know, have I right? Uh, there's a rituals that I do. I just touch wood, right? Mm. I I I do I do pray. Yeah. You know, um, I try and make room for that. And yeah. the language I the only language I have is what I've got from orthodoxy. And anyway, I was going through that bloody grappling with it. And this woman came up at the end and she said, "Ritual is a way the work people have learned to deal with fear and with anxiety." Mm. Don't be scared of that. And I thought that was so an astonishing insight. And what that is, is so true. What is difficult about the contemporary world being is we've got to find, as secularists, yeah. and for those of us who are atheists, we've got to find something that can answer that. Yeah. And I don't think we have yet. No. But I think we're doing better than those who think they have. Yes. Because the, I think modern Christianity is letting us down. Oh, I think modern Christianity is a real corruption of it what is. is 
best in. Do you know what I want to get talk to you about? And I've actually done a lot of research since I heard you speak the other night. I want to talk about values and. There's nothing that enrages me more than when I'm out and about and people say that they're Christian values, right? And let's say the Ten Commandments, for instance. Are they are they really Christian values or are they human values? And where were we going to get to that point anyway? I, I, I think that they're human values. I think yeah. that – but, you know, I love history, Cheryl, and mm. one of the things that was – a true delight about writing this novel was immersing myself in history. Um, Christi- what we call Christianity and actually also what we call Islam mm. grew out of Judaism. Yeah. Okay, so yep. the, the sense of social justice that, and this is sometimes what I want to say to people, know your history. Yeah. When, you know, as someone who believes in justice, it's got roots in various philosophical and religious traditions. I'm not saying you have to follow those traditions, but at least know where they come from. Where they come from. Um, I, th- I think that's really important. I think there's a sense of justice that emerged through Judaism that has been really important for world history. I think there's a, in the same way that I think there's a sense of suffering and enlightenment and the practice of meditation that has come from Buddhism and aspects of Hinduism that belongs to all the world that is incredibly enlightening. And I think in Christianity there is something of at its best, in at its roots, and this is what's been corrupted by the institutional churches, there's a a sense of compassion and forgiveness that is incredible. Okay, I accept that. But don't you think that Buddhism had that as well? Yes, yes. I mean, I think uh, I think that all philosophies and ideas of the of consciousness that try and grapple with what meaning is, what makes us human. Yeah. And what makes us people. Exactly. That's what yeah. being, is is they all share a commonality. I think I think that but um, I do think there are particular insights or particular inflections of these ideas that come from different religions, therefore different histories. And in my contemporary world, I think we're a bit scared of acknowledging what comes from Christianity. Yeah, we are. We're, we're more comfortable. It's getting a lot of bad PR. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, for, for very good reason. Yeah, for very good reason. Do you know, when I um, when I picked this book up and I, I'm, I, don't, I can't remember whether I got it in proof or it was a finished copy, I thought, oh, I'm not sure if this one's for me. I'm not sure because historical fiction one for, for sure doesn't appeal to me usually. And mm, this is Christos. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. And so I took it home and I started reading it. And what became very apparent to me very, very quickly was it really is not very different to anything else that you've written, you know. That it's all, my voice, I think. Oh, without a yeah. doubt. It's your voice. It's your language. It's beautifully written. It's character-driven. You know, it's... <laughs> this is not a book about a saint. I keep no. saying this. This is a book no. to, to write it's this book. It's about people. Yeah. And, I, yeah. you know, I, I wanted it's to go... It's just as about people as the slap was about yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah. And really confused, complex yeah. Yeah. people, people who sometimes do really ugly things. Yeah. Um, and also people who sometimes do the most beautiful and tender and, mm. and, and loving things. Of course it has to be about people because... Yeah. Uh, you know, if I was a historian and I had those chops or a theologian, mm. 
or a philosopher, I'd write a different kind of book. It has to be about what, what I wanted to put you as a reader right into that world mm. so you felt it, saw it, smelt it. Yeah. Felt, you know. Oh, absolutely. I was there. But you know what really struck me too was that it was no different to, to your other work in terms of the discussions about class. I've just written a couple of points down about class, about religion, about masculinity, about colonisation, about refugees. And we're talking about 2,000 years ago and we are still talking about it today and we still haven't got a solution and we are still full of hatred and anger about it. I, look, Have we not evolved as humans? I, I think that... Uh, I think that you want to. So there's the the the, the hopeful, um, and one of the you know one of the things that I think is is most loving in 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 Paul is is hope. My, the hopeful side of Christos Cholkis wants to go. Of course, there must have been an evolution. Mm. I like, and I always I always think about. I mean, slavery still exists, but it doesn't exist as it, as it did mm. even a few hundred years ago, and yeah. how. How vile and brutal it was in the in the ancient world, but then I'm always I, I I always think of you know you read some of the work from the late nineteenth century, early twentieth century that is really hopeful about progress, mm. and they didn't know what was to come. They didn't know that that the death camps were going to come. They didn't know that the gulag was going to come. Mm. That the, some some of the vilest things that humans have done to another was going to mm. occur in this century of progress. Mm. <laughs> and and that still occurring, occur. Christos. Of course. And and the title of the book is, refers to that moment that Paul has on mm. the road to Damascus. But it, I, ch- I also chose it because I wanted I, I want this book to kind of call back and forth between the mm. millennia mm. to say, yes, this question of the stranger... What do you do? What do you owe the stranger? Mm. Is has been a perennial human question. Mm. You know, that's. I think that for me, there's a lot of Christianity that I can't come to. The division of the of the human into flesh and and spirit. I think that's 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 something I can't come to. Mm. But that notion of loving the stranger is really profound, and we do not do it. We don't. Do you listen? I don't know if you listen to Malcolm Gladwell's. Yes, yeah, I really like Gladwell a don't, lot. Don't you just love him? Yeah. And he's got this recent book about the interaction of strangers. I don't know if you've heard about it. He's been talking about it recently. I haven't read it yet. But what I've heard him say about it is that's what we get wrong. Yes. That first interaction with a stranger and he gives the various examples of a white policeman and a black woman or whatever and these kind of polarised kind of examples. But even on a level of walking into my office, you know, like coming to see us or coming into our home, if we applied that principle to meeting strangers, we would be better people, don't you think? Yeah, and it always interests me, you know, that, you know, we all know, we all know what the, the term uh, xenophobia means, mm-hmm. right? Because um, it's a it's it's an ancient Greek word mm. that has entered our language, mm. and you know our our, our world, our, our nation is full of xenophobia at the mm. moment. But there is another word that comes from the ancient Greeks as well, which is xenophilia, which is the love of the stranger. Mm. Why don't we have that in our language? Why? So so much so that I don't you know I can say xenophobia, I can anglicise it, but yeah. I don't actually know what the anglicisation yeah, of it. Yes, yeah. and, and isn't that phenomenal well, that yeah. we don't and I do talk. a lot of reading. Yeah. yeah. So and I've always loved that concept of xenophilia. So yeah. that that you actually 
owe friendship yeah. to the stranger. You yeah. owe love to, to, yeah. to the stranger. Do you know, and that, that is interesting to me because going back to your mum, right, and in your household as probably, um, well, it definitely happened in my household, we were taught how to greet people. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I was taught that people that come to you into your home, that you are welcoming, you know, and back then we were offering them cigarettes or peanuts or almonds. Which was not a bad thing. (laughs) Whatever it was, you know, and a bit of adult and whatever it was that we were offering them. But my mother used to instill in us that we are to be good hosts. Now at the time, and particularly when I became a teenager, I was a bit dubious about it. But when I think about it now, that is something that I've taken on in life. Yes, it and really is, you know, and it's a very simple concept. I th- it, it's. I also think that is something that is universal and human as well. Like when I'm when I was. So there's part of this novel that is full of the brutality and savagery of what was a slave society, and mm-hmm. there's no way you can write yeah. of a slave society without writing that. But I'm hoping that similar to what you were saying about the slap and the other novels, yeah. that you will find moments of real tenderness where people do that they do that they do that welcoming yeah um most uh, you know a little bit like how why don't we know about uh xenophilia yes so much is written about paul and it's just became you know it it erupted a year ago with the israel falau where he quotes from first corinthians but paul's also the man who wrote we are not woman and we're not man we're not jew and we're not greek we're not master and we're not slave we are all one right Why is that not yeah. what is tattooed yeah. <laughs> on people's skin? Why is that not the Paul that we listen to? Yeah. Why is that not the Paul that the Prime Minister, who professes to be a Christian, yeah. talks about? Whatever he is. <laughs> um, I want to talk about refugees and yeah. I want to go back to the acceptance of others and I want and I want to dwell a little bit on world affairs um, and that came to me while I was reading your book, Tyranny and Revolution, right? I feel, I have felt for a very long time in this country that we are becoming complacent, that we are not, you know, um, that we are too comfortable, for instance, and we're not talking about or doing something about what we don't like. And I, I actually think it's happening now. But when I look around the world, like you look at what's happening in Lebanon right now, you yeah. know, that those people have just had enough, you know, they've had enough of just being, you know, abused by power. And you look at what's happening in Hong Kong um, and people taking to the streets. And in a way, it's in Hong Kong to me, it seems quite hopeless. I I just don't know how they they can avoid it. But it does empower me in a way to think that maybe we can affect change. I think I think there's all I think we always have that capability and that possibility. I mean, I think Australia has gone through a really ugly time of insularity and mm. fear, but so has but a it's large... it's come from comfort, don't oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, when I wrote The Slap, it was... Uh, which is a long time ago now. It was, was actually... That? that was 2008. It was released. Wow. And so I'm, I've talked about this, that, it, you know, for me it was a novel about the Howard years, of what yeah. happens when you're comfortable and complacent. He introduced hatred in his mm. country. I swear well, to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he... In a big way. He allowed it to yeah. escalate. Well, That's he used it as a political, political tool. Yeah. More so than any other, I think, Prime Minister in this country. But anyway. That, that, that is... Yeah. That's... Well, that's where the slap came from. Mm. And I think comfort, you know, can make you lazy <laughs> and it can 
It certainly can make you greedy. And I think the problem in this country is that we haven't challenged ourselves more about kind of what kind of world, what kind of society we want to be. We've been really lazy actually, I yeah. think, as a nation. I, I would say to you, you know, these are really big issues that are affecting a large swathe of the globe too. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's important to keep that in mind and to say that uh, to try and understand history and what's happening in this contemporary moment. And I think that's why notion... Do you think we're at a turning point globally? I think, well, I think climate change is one of those things that necessitates a kind of mm. a, a rethinking of how we are in the world, as I do think the question of the refugee, because more and more mm. people are becoming homeless and we're so terrible at dealing with homeless in our own nations, re- regardless terrible? of what are to do. Terrible? And people like you and I, Christos, who are immigrants, are terrible. Yes. Yeah, I mean... I mean that often just, just <sighs> makes me feel shameful, actually. <laughs> I would go back then to it's really important to have those conversations yeah. and to try and... Because you know, so your question was about enacting change and how yeah. do you do that. Well, I think one way that, that you hopefully can do it is by having the conversation and not treating people with disdain. Mm. You know, it's being really firm about what you believe but mm. also saying I'm, I'm prepared to, to, in good faith, enter into these discussions, mm. arguments. I mean, one, another good thing that we've that you and I have coming from the cultures we have is that we know that you can have argument without hatred. Mm. And I don't know if this world knows at the moment that, um, you know, you know me, you know I consider myself very firmly a man of the left but as a person of that tradition and knowing what terrors were done under the name of Mm. progressive left socialist communist ideals, I think we need to carry that... Mm. understanding with us Mm. as we move forward. And one thing I've really – Damascus becomes a novel, you know, it was when I I started creating the character of Thomas, who's Jesus' twin brother and has another version of what Christianity could have been, Mm. Um, that it became really alive because it became a conflict. Mm. It became Mm. a drama between Paul and and, and Thomas and these were – what I learnt through that study that – work and it's a lesson I should have learned years ago is that the ends never justify the means mm. right mm. and sometimes in ter- in points of crisis it's really easy to go actually anything goes because mm. the world is going to burn or mm-hmm. but I actually can't think of one point in history where the ends have ever justified mm. the means Should where all those dead soldiers yes yeah. yes so yeah. Do you know, I think that we were just talking about protests and about doing this and about doing that, but you know what you can do? You can read Damascus. <laughs> I, look, I mean... You can. Well... You can read and you can, you know, you can just have... I, I mean, sometimes I find it frustrating, you know, all the knowledge that I have and I think nothing is changing, it's killing me, you know, but it is. In a way it's, you know, it's just one step at a time, isn't it, and it's baby steps. Yeah, it is and, and also to, I mean... You know, it's very uh, to, t- to actually take that seriously. It's very easy to dismiss. What 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 can, what, what, can, what can a book do? What can a, a piece of music do? What? Mm-hmm. Well, they can give you solace. They, they can, can give you an un- understanding. They can mm-hmm. challenge you. Um, and actually, you know, going back to what I was as a teenager, I I think it was actually reading great books, mm-hmm. watching great films, hearing different perspectives, 
being able to be in another person's shoes. That's what great art can give you. That made me understand that there was more that I didn't have to believe in this really judgmental, Mm. terrifying God Mm. who was going to condemn me to hell because I I was gay, Mm. you know. And so I owe a lot to literature and to art and to, to cinema. And I think you've just reminded me of how important reading is. And I don't think we read enough anymore. We don't. I mean, I try to do so much, but we don't. Anyway, Christos Chalkos. An absolute pleasure, as always. Always, always, (laughs) always, always. Thank you. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere. Or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.